If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, it's Rachel Cook, your modern mentor. And today I have the pleasure of sharing an interview I did with Brooke Baldwin, author of Huddle, How Women Unlock Their Collective Power, which is now a Wall Street Journal and national bestseller. As a CNN anchor, Brooke Baldwin covered the 2017 presidential inauguration and the historic Women's March in D.C. The experience changed her perspective and led to the question, what happens when women huddle? She wanted to learn from women who were forming change movements or were supporting each other in the workplace or on the field. But most of all, she wanted to learn what happens when women harness each other's power by gathering together, either in person or virtually, to huddle. In this interview, Brooke shares amazing stories and actionable advice we can all take in finding our own huddles. I hope you enjoy. Brooke, welcome to the Modern Mentor Podcast. I am so honored to have you on as a guest, and I'm so excited to talk about your new book, Huddle, How Women Unlock Their Collective Power. Yes. Thank you for having me, Rachel. I'm so excited to have you here. So I'm going to go ahead and dive right in with you. I read it, and my initial reaction was you talk about this thing called the huddle, the idea of which I've never really thought about before, but now you've you've coined the term, you've put it in front of me, and now all I can do is look back on the entirety of my life and see all of these huddles With that a huddle have lens, carried me. Everything I changes. Mean, everything, everything up until now has been a huddle, and now I have the word, and so yes. it's like pink elephants. Now you've said it, and that's all I can see. But welcome to my um, world, my dear. Welcome to my world. <laughs> So I love it. I love how how warm and cozy, but but important it is. And I'd love to hear just a little bit of the backstory. So how did this idea of the huddle come to you? How did you see it? And what brought you here? Yes. I mean, thank you so much for your enthusiasm. I really want to create a movement among women using this word huddle, like living life through the huddle lens. I purposely picked this word huddle because I often think of maybe, you know, a bunch of men getting together or a bunch of dudes on a football field, right? It's a very sort of more male, male tinted word. And I wanted as women us to flip it on its head, feminize it and own it. It's a noun. It's a verb. Um, the way I'm defining a huddle is like where, where women are energized by the mere fact of their coexistence. A huddle can be two women. It can be 2000 women. It's where women thrive, where women succeed, where women get amazing shit done. But it can also be a place where women just hold space for one another, where we're quiet, where we bear witness for one another. And that's really where the word came from. And I also feel like 
you know, women have been, you know, this is not breaking news. Women are getting together. But what's different about huddling is that women are getting together, whether it's in your workplace, on the protest, in prayer, you know, sweating with one another in a workout, a wellness huddle, or among friends. The difference with huddling is you are bringing intention with the mission of building a bigger table for women. That is amazing. And I I love the way that you sort of connected it to men on a football field, because you're right, you know, they sort of have owned the huddle. And there is something so intention in that huddle on the field, right? They're strategizing they're they've got each other's backs. And, and they've I been think doing this for years, for years. They have been, you know, and it's interesting. And I, I love the way that you talk about this idea of intention, because I think, you know, I look back at myself, and there are a lot of moments in my life, personally, professionally, where where I have been around women, we've supported each other. But in some of those instances, it hasn't been so much of that claiming of intention, but rather, how do we fit ourselves into this man's world? How do we how do we fit? How do we shape shift? How do we like bring our voices to the right altitude as defined maybe by um, the more dominant people in the room? And and what I hear you describing is, it's not just about being together, but it's it's about that mindset and that sense of empowerment and support and we're not looking to fit somebody else's mold. We're, we're looking to claim our own. Is that fair? Yes. I mean, it's all these examples, right? So you flip through the pages of my book and I tell stories. So the book is like 20% memoir. It's a bit of who I am and why why I have this, this megaphone in describing huddling. And also, P.S., I didn't have a huddle through my 20s and my early 30s because I really did put career, career first and lived in small towns and worked my way up in the TV totem pole. And so... I, I realized at the Women's March, you know, that this is something that I didn't have and that I needed to activate. And then I wrote, wrote this book and it, you know, inspired me to inspire other women to activate and nurture their huddles. So all these different stories from I got all this access to Reese Witherspoon's production company in Los Angeles, Hello Sunshine, where they're a perfect example of putting women at the center of the story and making sure that they are lifting up women authors, many of whom people perhaps haven't heard of, putting women at the center of the stories literally in the TV shows and the stories they tell. I mean, Little Fires Everywhere is the perfect example of what, when in Hollywood do you see such a high level you know, TV series with mothers as the protagonist? Mm-hmm. And I peeled back the layer and got the access inside the all women writers room because heaven forbid actual females write women roles. Okay. (laughs) From them to Stacey Abrams being a perfect amplifier, right? Going back to when she was a 29 year old deputy city attorney in Atlanta and was overwhelmed by these secretaries, she called them, and who had all this brilliance of legislative knowledge and history, but were salaried capped because of their titles and their education level. And so this is the first taste of power Stacey Abrams has as a 29-year-old. And what does she do? She goes to the city and she says, hey, this isn't right. These women should be rewarded with more money because they are brilliant. And she makes that happen. They get the training they need and they're able to make more money deservedly to, you know, of course, the stories like we all fell in love with the U.S. Women's National Team when they won the World Cup in France. And so I got this access to a number of these women soccer players where we talk not only about, of course, their 
you know, pay equity fight, but about how they are demanding respect in this male dominated sports space from, you know, getting proper sponsors from mega companies to, oh, I don't know, like having showers after they play a a game on the field and how they're also cross pollinating among various other sports, whether it's the WNBA or U.S. women's hockey, so that if one voice is lifted, all the voices are lifted, right? Rising tide lifts all boats. It's all these stories I tell and the through line is that they all believe in leaning on one another, amplifying one another, which thus brings about success. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Master Force Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Master Force tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. The stories in your book are incredible, and some of the role models in your book are incredible. I mean, I look at people like Stacey Abrams, who is finally having her moment. I look at Megan Rapinoe. I think the U.S. women's soccer team is inspiring overall. I have two daughters who are avid, rabid fans, and and I, I love, love, love the role models that they have in front of them. But I think it's interesting, you know, just thinking about Stacey Abrams and Megan Rapinoe, just as examples, I mean, they are these incredibly strong women, but at the same time, they are, what they're doing is social justice, right? It's, it's for all, it's humanitarian. I mean, Stacey Abrams and Megan Rapinoe in particular, I think are just sort of warriors for everybody. They are women and they support women, but it's not at the exclusion of, right? It's standing shoulder to shoulder with. And of course, what Stacey was able to do with Georgia, my home state, you know, flipping it blue for the first time since 1992, right? That made the headlines, but, but huddles don't always make the headlines. And so the stories that people don't know behind the big story is what I was aiming to tell in this book, right? So the fact that Stacey Abrams did this is ginormous, right? But she was able to do it, as she told me, because once upon a time when she was the House Minority Leader in Georgia in the State House, what do you have to do? You have to learn how to fundraise. And she learned that. And she can fundraise like a Jedi. And when she won, after she lost the gubernatorial race and decided not to make it all about her, but about Georgia and about the party and about moving forward. She then 
literally shared the wealth. You know, I talk metaphorically with a lot of these women, how they share the wealth once they have a taste of success and access. But she literally shared the wealth from all of this money that she had raised with other women organizations and particularly women of color in Georgia who were all fighting the good fight. But many people didn't know who they were compared to a Stacey Abrams, a marquee name. And so they all huddled sharing the money and were able to pull that off. And Megan Rapino, I mean, when you think of Megan Rapino, like I know people are listening to this, but imagine, you know, my arms are wide, right? She's on that <laughs> field in France and it's that famous photo of her. She is literally taking up space. She is demanding respect. You think back to the cup and about all that back and forth between the White House and her and you know, when I sat down to talk to her, I know your daughters will enjoy this. When I sat down to talk to her in a very unfancy Manhattan, Midtown Manhattan hotel one morning over breakfast, she had just won this giant award from Sports Illustrated. Like the first time a woman had won it, I think that it had only happened like three times. And she wakes up for me and shares her time with me and we're sitting over coffee. And the way the whole interview starts is actually, if you've ever listened to the Hillary Clinton interview with Howard Stern, so she's lost the presidential race and she sits down with Howard for a long time and she just shows up as, as herself. And Megan Rapinoe, who's someone who does that with every fiber of her being, cannot understand. Like she sits down with me at like eight in the morning pissed. And she's pissed because she was like, Brooke, why didn't Hillary Clinton show up as this version of herself for all of those months on the campaign trail? Like Megan cannot understand. And that is just who... That is who she is, and that is what she's fighting for, not just on the field, but also kneeling for Colin Kaepernick and approaching all of this from a, you know, an, an intersectional lens. That's Megan Rapinoe. Yeah, it's incredible. And I think, you know, we're talking about Megan Rapinoe, we're talking about Stacey Abrams. These are these huge names, you know, whether Megan Rapinoe has a talent that many of us would never have the ability to build. But Stacey Abrams and you would know better than me, just has an incredible like fire and focus and tenacity, but in theory is living a life that I think any any citizen with that drive and with that passion could follow in her footsteps. And so I would love it if you could share a little bit with us around, you know, what if we're not Oprah? What if we're not Megan? But we've got beliefs, we've got great people around us, we need support, we want to offer support. How do we think about huddles and how to use them? I'm so glad you asked me this because yes, while it's fun to interview these, you know, giant names, I actually find the most magic in speaking with women who, who I affectionately refer to as ordinary, extraordinary women. Now the woman I'm about, mm. I'm about to tell you a story and this is, this is also in the book. So it's a lot of well-known women huddles and also perhaps women you've never heard of. Shannon Watts. Shannon Watts was like any mother in America. She watched what happened at Sandy Hook and she was horrified. And she took to her Facebook page, like any of us have access to, and had a whopping 75 followers. And she voiced her rage. And in voicing her rage, she ultimately started what is now known as Moms Demand Action, which is affiliated with Every Town for Gun Safety. And that now from her 75 Facebook followers is now 6 million strong. It is the largest grassroots huddle in America. And what Shannon, the other, the other important part of this story, and I mentioned the word intersectional a second ago, and it's so important to approach huddling through an intersectional lens because she was focusing 
on a lot of suburban, predominantly white schools, right? When it came to school shootings and, and protection. And a woman by the name of Lucy McBath, mother, lost her son, Jordan. He was playing his music too loud in a parking lot and was killed. And she now is a congresswoman in Georgia. But at the time, she was this mother, Lucy McBath, and she heard about moms, Demand Action, and Shannon. And she kindly approached her and essentially said, hey, I think you need to open your aperture and not just focus on these predominantly white suburban schools, but all shades of gun violence, inner city. Also, she's a woman of deep faith, the faith community. And Shannon just was so grateful for Lucy approaching her like that. And between the two of them now, they lead moms. And, you know, Lucy really ran on gun reform or gun sins legislation is is how they call it. And just knowing that any mother can be part of this circle to fight for what they believe is positive change. They're not trying to take people's guns away at all, but um, just make change for our children is just a perfect example of how women have come together to huddle. And I've even been out on too many stories of these, you know, scenes of mass shootings, and I've seen the moms. I mean, bless them. They have come up to me in their mom's t-shirts, and they're an army. They're an army. Yeah, I mean, when you have such a tremendous sense of purpose behind you. There's, there's nothing that's going to stop you. Right. Yeah. But linking arms, it's like the process of linking arms with other women. You don't have to go it alone. Like that's the whole thing with the huddle. Find women with shared interests. We are, you know, in an age of social media and internet, right? Where we want to bemoan it. I know I do some days, but at the same time at our fingertips, we can be connected to women who we don't know, right? But who have those shared passions and points of view and we can physically link arms with them and in linking arms with them, it's just, there is power in the collective. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. I think more minds, more hearts are always better than fewer when you have a shared intention between you. I think that there's something incredibly powerful in learning lessons from people who have overcome incredible things or faced incredible things, incredible bad, incredible good. The truth is some people's lives do feel a little bit more ordinary, a little bit more every day, right? For some people, they may have a passion around, you know, politics or being anti-violence or pro-humanity, but also they're just trying to feel successful at work, right? They're trying to do good work. They're trying to feel like they're contributing, they're learning, you know, things that might feel a little bit ordinary. I don't want to say the ordinary ordinary, because I think we're all extraordinary in our own ways. But how in the ordinary course of our working lives, can we can we take lessons from these amazing women in these amazing huddles and kind of use them in a, in a daily practice. Yes. Listen, I talk to new moms. I talk to military spouses. I talk to women you've never heard of leading, you know, the, the climate fight. This applies to all of us. And when you read the whole book, I'm hoping that you are mighty inspired and you end the book thinking, okay, how do I then nurture, find, activate my own huddle? I, I got I got your back. So at the very end, in the <laughs> epilogue, um, there is a whole huddle how-to, sort of 10 tentpole uh, things to practice. And then uh, a bunch of women back me up in these anecdotes within this epilogue. For example, 
doing hard things with your huddle. Like we've all read Untamed by Glennon Doyle and I give her all the credit for, for this, you know, motto of doing hard things, but I'm going to take it a step further and saying, do hard things with your huddle. That is when you are forever bonded with women. It can be anything from speaking up about something or being part of a fight to something like a couple of years ago, you know, I called up one of my now dearest friends and asked her if she wanted to go climb Kilimanjaro with me in Africa. But I mean, it could be like, go, go hike the, the Pacific coast trail or the, the, um, the Appalachian trail, you know, it could be, I don't know, like running a marathon, a half marathon together, whatever it is, you know, that by, by doing the hard thing with one another, that then cements your bonds and also makes you want to show up more, more vulnerably. That's another one. Like be, be vulnerable. Like there, where there's this pressure in our society to just be Instagram perfect and filtered and all of that bullshit. But I'm here to say, no, like show up with your various huddles vulnerably. And I think like by doing so my Myself, and I've read a lot of Brene Brown, especially when I was sick with COVID a year ago. But by doing so, it, it's it's contagious in the other facets of your life. It's made vulnerability has helped make me a better journalist. It's made me made me a better partner to my husband. And then another piece of all of this is making sure, you know, certainly finding women with shared passions. And I talked about how a lot of that is at our fingertips, especially as you know we're all ready to get out of this this space of COVID and go do big things. The other piece would be making sure that the other members of your huddle are different than you. You know, how, how, mm. how we do need to be intersectional, how, you know, my good friend, Killer Mike, who is this rapper and activist in Atlanta said to me when I was interviewing him for the first time in the wake of Ferguson, and it really touched my heart. He was like, Brooke, we, you have to have friends who don't look like you, who go to different churches and synagogues and, and, and mosques. Right. And we have to, open that aperture to those perspectives. Don't just follow all the same people who reinforce your beliefs on Instagram. Don't just watch that same cable news channel just because you really like what the hosts are, you know, thrown down. Um, and that applies to your huddle, to strengthening your perspective on the world by having other members who don't look like you. Those are three of the 10 just off the top of my head. Those are great. And those are so accessible for any of us. Some of that is what I am constantly calling myself out on. I definitely need to diversify the voices and the perspectives oh, that I live in. Oh, it's a constant conversation I, with myself too. Like we're all, I all, I think that's totally normal. It's totally normal. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I know, you know, I I love your your point about vulnerability and support. I, I find that for me, in you know, in this moment of we're still in this pandemic and. I run my own business and my huddle, a lot of us, we are working moms and our kids are fairly young and there's just such an incredible amount of pressure and anxiety and are they okay and am I enough? And just just having that space yes. to be able to kind of unload, yes. it does, to your point, it then makes me a better business owner, a better mother, a better everything that I'm trying to be. And there, there's absolutely so much power in that. Yes. So yes, take take down the filters and, and let your flag fly, yes. right? yes. Yes. I love it. So let me ask you this then. For those of us who are in the process of raising girls or boys or whatever they may be, what advice do you have for the next generation? I, I wrote an entire chapter entirely dedicated to girls. It's about boy-free zones. And we love our boys. And I have a brother and a dad and a husband. And we need men to support the huddle, right? Let me just say that first and foremost. But what I love about 
our society now, 2021, is that little girls are getting all of these opportunities that I didn't get growing up in the 80s with my tap shoes and sequins and gymnastics leotards (laughs) that these girls are getting now. You know, everything from, I talked to Carly Kloss, the, the, you know, supermodel who started this whole, you know, coding with Klossy summer camp where these young girls come in and they're all in this safe, all female environment doing this, talk about doing hard things together, like doing this really hard thing where you learn to code. And none of these girls came in knowing how to code, right? And some of them as a result are taking coding and starting coding clubs at their high schools. And it's changing, even if they never want to code in their life, like they're learning that it's okay and safe to fail. Rashma Sujani, who started Girls Who Code, amazing TED Talk by the way, shout out to, to her. She, she talks in her Ted talk about how little boys are taught, like, go ahead and jump to that fifth rung of the monkey bars and, and fall and try, try again. It's okay to fail. Failing is encouraged. Little girls though are, there's a lot of pressure on little girls to be perfect to stay in their lanes, right? I I even just being from the South, hearing like mothers saying like, be a good girl, be a good girl. And even in my adulthood, I catch myself in a a workplace, in a male dominated workplace where I'll, I'll sort of hear this refrain of be a good girl, be a good girl, don't color outside of the lines. And it's taken years and practice and workplace huddles and really finding my voice to, to start to shatter those narratives. But with regard to moms and daughters, like sign your sign your girls up for all the things, not just, you know, soccer, but like space camp or coding or, you know, l- learn how to make movies, all these things that are now, you know, girls, girls on the run. Um, just there's so girls who rock like there's so many organizations where even if they don't want to become a rock star or, you know, uh, an astronaut, they'll learn and they'll know it's safe to stand in the front of the room and raise their hand and get that confidence that is so, so crucial later in life. So amazing. It seems like a good moment to be a girl. I I hope. I hope for my Yes. Oh, amazing. So this has been awesome, Brooke. I've so enjoyed this conversation. I want to ask you one final question, but really it has two parts. And it is this. Part one, is there anything I haven't asked you that you feel like you want people to take away about this book? And part two is, do you have a particular call to action that you want to leave this audience with? Mm. I feel like we've hit on a variety of things. I'm so glad you made the point about it's not just well-known women, but, you know, extraordinary, ordinary women. I'll say this maybe, you know, my hope is that women and girls use the word huddle like this is a word that that is added to their lexicon moving forward that women and girls know that there is power in the collective and you know i feel like our 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 country loves the narrative of women pitting women against one another and listen this isn't all sunshine and roses and certainly i talk in my book about coming up against some really sharp elbows in my career but women who are successful today are not outliers They are huddlers because they know how to unlock their collective power. And for all of you listening, if you have a book club or a huddle and you want me to crash it, (laughs) I am about to start doing that now that people are really reading this book and I'm so grateful. So just email huddlethebook at gmail.com and we will see if I will see you at some point this summer. 
That sounds both amazing and ominous, but I'm totally going to do it, Brooke, so watch out. That is awesome. I hope people take you up on it. The book is phenomenal. I hope people read it. Again, it's Huddle, How Women Unlock Their Collective Power. Brooke, it has been an honor and a pleasure to talk to you, and I wish you all the best with the book. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Brooke. Do you have a question I can answer? Check out all the links in my bio for ways you can reach me. You can also visit my website at leadabovenoise.com or follow me on the Modern Mentor Podcast page on LinkedIn, where I share exclusive tips, videos, and musings. Join me next week for an episode on how to use storytelling to drive your professional success. Until then, thanks so much for listening and have a successful week. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/slash activecash.